Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Short and quick week for you as we roll on to week five. This is now, Johns, this is when the games start to go quick. You were like, you were week one, you were saying the games were going quick. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. We got, a, we got a quick turnaround here. Absolutely. The GOAT is coming to town. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Could have been a bear. Could have been. Should have been? Nah. That seems so unlike the Bears. Yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of smoke out there. Dan Patrick. What was the other report? Was it Rappaport at some point? Back in week one, week two? All of a sudden, the Bears were in on Tom Brady. But Tom Brady, he wanted to retire to Florida. He didn't want to come to Chicago. Can't blame him for that. Taxes. (laughs) Taxes. Let's see. Taxes. Weather. Why do we live here again? I, I, yeah, sometimes I ask that question. Uh, Gets to bring Gronk with him. Gronk in Chicago. Well, we're going to talk about all of this with uh, Greg Allman, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Athletic. I want to know what it's like to cover Tom Brady. Of course, it's a little different probably over Zoom. But could you imagine all these different quarterbacks, Johns, that we've covered over the years, and Tom Brady just walks in the house hall? <laughs> I don't know what I would do with myself. Like half my storylines for the year are just gone. Yeah, gone. It would, it would just be crazy. So I want to. I'm looking forward to talking to Greg. We'll have that coming up here on the podcast. This is Hogan Johns. Welcome in. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns, and uh, you can read us. I'm at NBCSportsChicago.com. Ten Bears things up. Power rankings up. All your normal early week happenings, uh, and then Johnsy stuff is up at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You go there, you can get a great deal subscribing right now. You should be subscribed. Johns wants to see more Cole Komet. You know, his his Catholic high school buddy. Get him some footballs. One one catch. Come on now. That was takeaway three or four. I forget which takeaway it is, but it's an important one, Adam. Enough Demetrius Harris. With all due respect to you, Demetrius Harris, like those pass catching opportunities, throw them to the rookie. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I'm not off the Demetrius Harris train. I think he's okay. Wait, there was a train for Demetrius Harris? He kind of is a train. That's a, he's, he's a big a, guy. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. I'd like to see him catch more balls if that's going to be the case, though. Yeah, well, it would be nice if the quarterback catch threw the it ball, to then become the train. Wouldn't it be nice, though, if the quarterback threw it to a spot where he could catch it? No. Yeah, maybe Cole Clement fast like, enough to go. When he there. runs in, you don't throw it out? <laughs> That'd be nice. That's a Nick Nick Foles, and we got a few extra thoughts on him, don't we? Yeah, we'll have plenty on uh, Nick Foles coming up here as well. Uh, Look, we got a lot to get to. It's a quick, jam-packed podcast. Uh, Kevin Fishbane will be on, too. We're going to kind of do our midweek episode and transition into previewing the Bucs as well because there's a game on Thursday. So, a lot to do. We still got to close the book, though, on the Bears' loss to the Colts. And uh, I know the fans are fired up. Should we hear our voicemails from Sunday? Here they are, your voicemails, as the Bears lost to the Colts. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? 
your ass better call somebody. The Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Hoggy Cat, John Z. Babb, Kenny G. It's uh, Bob Zabrowski. I just uh, witnessed uh, the, the Colts drive down the field and uh, score a touchdown on the Bears, but that's okay. I was hoping they might even score two touchdowns on the first drive, put, a, put the Bears in a position to come from behind like they're used to. Speaking of coming from behind, uh, did you guys watch the rest on that drive? It's ridiculous. I hope that they at least wind and dine the Bears last night before uh, just throwing the flags down their throats, that pass interference call. Oh, good God. Anyway, let's go Bears. It's going to be, uh, I don't know, the Colts will probably score another two touchdowns real quick here just for fun, and then uh, Bears will win, I don't know, 60-21. to 21. Let's go Bears. Bear down. Three points. That's all we got. Three points. I thought Nagy was supposed to be some offensive mastermind. But nope. Three points. Put Mitch in the fucking game. Nick Foles fucking sucks. Overthrows every fucking ball. Put Mitch in the game. Number 10. Bear down. This is not an improvement over Trubisky. This Bears offense is a travesty, a sham, and a mockery. It's a Travis sham mockery. It's absolutely fucking disgusting how bad this offense is. There's like seven minutes to go in the game. I just wanted to say the Bears got completely fucking manhandled today by the Indianapolis Colts. So the coach has got all the toys that he wanted. He's broken his trust with Trubisky, and that's the kind of timid fucking play calling that we end up with. Rubbish. The Bears need to fire Matt Nagy. They need to fire Ryan Pace. What an embarrassment. What a disgrace. Fire Matt Nagy. Falls to risky, falls to risky, falls to risky. Same shit. The play calling is atrocious. The penalties, double digit penalties again. The botch play after the timeout in the red zone was a joke. Matt Nagy should be fired. Time for Nagy to give up the Denny's play menu. Bears going for the cover on a nine point tease is the greatest thrill of this afternoon. I'm just saying Mitch goes to the bathroom and makes three points. Well, I already felt like crap today, and I was hoping that the Bears game would make me feel better, and completely disappointed. Hello, darkness, my old friend. We've come to visit you again. Turns out, falls as his bad as Trubisky. No joy. I think the Bears just showed us exactly who they were. That was pathetic. Bears fan from Down Under. This is probably one of the worst games that I've ever, ever saw from Bears. I've been watching Bears for 10 years or so. But yeah, offensively, this is probably the worst in the recent memories. What the f*** did I just watch? New quarterback, same old s***. Regardless, 3-1, bear down. Kent, you still got that bleep button? Or, or is it gone? It, it's uh, it's broken. It's, it's toast. It's like, it's like the Bears special teams button. Just, just gone. Or <laughs> the, the buttons are o- breaking. Overused. <laughs> overused. <laughs> Uh, did you know the Bears are three and one? I did. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like a good three and one after that game, though, right? Like no. every concern that you had over the first three weeks, it didn't feel like a good three and zero oh when no, they were undefeated. No, but we kept saying it, and three and one's better than one and three. It is, but you can't feel good about quarterback situation. You can't feel good about the, the defense in a lesser capacity. But yeah, it, you know, it's on Nick Foles to be a lot better against Tom Brady. He's been there. He's been better than Brady in big games before, but we'll see what he does this Thursday night. Well, um, I got good news and bad news. Actually, I basically just have bad news. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for this. The uh, The Buccaneers defense, if the Colts are number one, the Bucks are probably number two. They've been the, – the, the numbers, uh, the stats – the uh, especially the advanced stats like uh, DVOA that I like. I mean, they all love the Bucks defense, especially the run defense. And so, uh, I mean, after after seeing that performance against the the Colts, it's not exactly great news that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that defense coming in because we've heard, and of course, the theme is once again 
that the Bears need to improve their running game. So we should probably get more on these Buccaneers, huh, Johns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's Hi, bring, Greg. Let's bring in <laughs> Greg Allman from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Allman. And he joins us now on this short week as uh, we try to figure out, Greg, how the Bears are going to move the football at all. Is the Bucks defense for real? Because it, it sure seems like it. But then I look up and I see a bunch of points on the scoreboard, too. Yeah, they kind of stumbled a little bit Sunday. Uh, gave up some big plays uh, against the uh, against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Um, kind of found a way to win, but you know the previous couple of weeks they, they'd almost won because of their defense. So to win in spite of their defense was kind of a, a wrinkle on uh, on Sunday there. What's like when you look at that defense? Like I, I'm surprised when I look at the numbers, right? Like I, I did not expect them to be that good. Did you expect them? To be that good going in, like who's playing well? Where are the difference makers coming through? You know, are are they really that, you know, unmovable? You know, against the against the run. Yeah, I mean they were they were really good against the run last year. They were number one in the NFL, and a big part of it was that teams could throw really easily against them. So you really didn't even have a need to run the ball against the Bucks early on. But then when they got better against the pass, they stayed good against the run. So yeah, it was a big priority for Bruce Arians to kind of keep that front seven intact. Uh, to pay to keep Shaq Barrett, to bring Jason Pierre-Paul back, to bring Indomitian Sue back. Um, you know, their secondary is really young. There's, there's literally not a guy older than 23 in their starting five, which is crazy. But, uh, yeah, so they've they felt like the continuity, the familiarity, the second year in Todd Bowles' defense would really help them. And so far, again, Sunday's lapses aside, it has. Greg, I wanted to ask you about Todd Bowles because – he and Matt Nagy actually have a, a a relationship, and and I remember when Vic Fangio left for Denver, there was it, it seemed like a a connection there that Todd Bowles could potentially take over the Bears' defense, quickly get scooped up by Bruce Arians. How how much of a difference has he made down there? Yeah, a lot. I mean, he and he and Bruce Arians go way back. I mean, Bruce coached him at Temple, whatever, thirty five years ago. Um, so when Bruce got the Arizona job, you know, Bowles ran his defense. And I think a big part of his confidence in coming out of retirement was being able to kind of bring the band back together, if you will. Um, and that meant Bowles running the defense. Casey Rogers, who was Todd's defensive coordinator with the Jets, this is D line coach. Um, so it's a lot of guys who have coached together for a long time. Um, there's, there's a fair amount of autonomy there where he's kind of a, like a, it's not a coordinator as much as like head coach one B, if you will. Um, a lot of trust between the two. And, and again, I mean, Bowles has been aggressive, has felt very good about uh, trusting the personnel he has to kind of add some complexity and disguises to what they what they already had. Greg, what's it like to cover Tom Brady? <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's a little strange in that with COVID, uh, everything's at a distance. So I really um, haven't had a face-to-face with Tom Brady yet. We get maybe within like 20 feet of him at practice sometimes. But it's it's all zooms. It's all uh, kind of by remote, if you will. So I, I, it's kind of as close as I would have been if I wanted to cover the Patriots a little bit. Uh, but no, I mean, it, it, he completely changes the national relevance of this team. I mean, I've been on the beat here since 13 and there's, you know, the casual fan outside of Tampa, outside of Florida is tenfold the interest that it was in past years because of Brady, because of Gronk. Um, it really elevates them. Again, this is the first of, of five primetime games the Bucks play this year. Um, that hasn't been the case. I think James Winston had five primetime games in five years. So much different level of interest. Um, everything he does is, is something people care about. Uh, he makes a radio appearance with Jim Gray. You have to check in every Monday night, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, no, changes everything. But, again, it's a little odd in that we're not actually quite, you know, in a – in a group thing around his locker every week, like it might be in New England. I wonder how many fans actually know that he does that. It's halftime of the Monday night game, right? On Westwood One. He's yeah. been doing it for years with, with Jim Gray. Yeah, I think there's some good money involved there. He, he doesn't yeah. do radio here in Tampa, which is a little bit of a point of annoyance. But again, it, it's something he's had for a long time. Um, you you kind of have to check in and make sure it doesn't. He's not usually one that's going to say, like, oh, you know, so and so's out this week or, or any real news breaking. But it's, it's just a chance to hear 
um, a little bit. We only get him in post game and once a week down here right now. So it's it's one more chance to to kind of hear what's on his mind at least. It's just in case we had the Jay Cutler show here in, in Chicago. Right. <laughs> that was a, respect that, that was a full hour though, and and usually something crazy would happen. Yeah. It, well, it, it, by the end of it, absolutely it did. Yeah. As him and Brandon Marshall went back and forth, but um, yeah, the the we were just joking around before he came on, Greg. What it would it be like to cover? Tom Brady and just to, to have that relevance to have just to, like to not have the controversy that we're so used to covering here in Chicago and, and, and here we are covering not not a full blown controversy yet yet Adam right like it's it's still maybe Nick Foles here for a little bit before the although there were some callers on our show here who want Trubisky back but um, that would feel different to us it's, it's funny down here. Um, it's like they have a completely different take on Nick Foles here in town. I mean, last year, the Bucks faced Foles in Jacksonville in kind of his last gasp of playing with the Jaguars. And he was terrible for a half in Jacksonville. I mean, he threw for less than 100 yards, had three turnovers, all of which resulted in Bucks touchdowns. Bucks were up 25 nothing at the half and was so bad that that was like the resurrection of Gardner Minshew. That brought him back in and he, he went the rest of the way. So it's interesting. I mean, Foles has also had really good games against the Bucks in the past. Um, so I don't know which one you'll get on Thursday. Yeah, night. I was going to say if that happens again, we're going to have the resurrection of Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> here in Chicago. Right, well, <laughs> and then one thing I'm writing this week is that just two years ago, uh, the Bucks probably their low point of the Dirk Cutter era was that game in Chicago two years ago, where Trubisky was just all world and threw for five touchdowns in the first half. And, and the Bears were up 38-3 at the half and had 400 yards of offense. And it was just absolutely the, the worst of the worst this Bucks defense had been was that first half in Chicago for sure. It feels like a distant memory. It, it's so funny how football happens. Like, I mean, th- that was, what, the fourth or fifth game of the Matt Nagy era? and yeah. And everyone in Chicago thought, oh, Trubisky's arrived. This offense is for real. This is where the Bears become an offensive juggernaut. And it's just... Obviously, it has not happened. Nope. <laughs> so Mitch had Mitch had nine touchdowns total in his first fifteen games, and then the Bucks let him get five in one half. Yeah. And it was like I think it was like the the most by a Bears quarterback since like Sid Luckman or something like that. Most ever by a Bucks opponent. Nobody's thrown six touchdowns in a game since that game. Like no, there's no Mahomes. There's no crazy Fitzpatrick game. It's been the best six touchdown, no interception game since. And then the amazing thing is Nick Foles has a seven-touchdown game in his career. Right. Right. But I don't know how many touchdowns the Bears are going to score on on Thursday. They'll probably be lucky to get two. Uh, yeah, Greg, he, he six is the over-under. Take the under. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this. How is Tom Brady playing? Because, uh, look, he's obviously an upgrade. But actually, he, ha- I, he has two pick sixes, if I'm correct. He's been mortal. So, I mean, it's one of those where it was funny because, I mean, in week one, in New Orleans, I mean, he comes in and the whole thing is fewer interceptions. Jameis Winston's gone. Tom Brady's gone. He's here now. They're going to be so much more careful with the ball. And he throws a pick six in the first game. He throws two two interceptions with Jameis on the sidelines. So that was that kind of had the question mark. Uh, it really wasn't until this Sunday, I think, that you really saw him have a Brady-level game. I mean, to have five touchdowns, to bring the team back from 17 down, to play as well as he did. I mean, there was four straight possessions where he threw touchdown passes. I think he was like 13 of 15 for 211 and four touchdowns in a span of, of basically a quarter. Um, so this was the first time we really saw him at his absolute best. And even in that game, I mean, he threw a pick six on, on Sunday against the Chargers to dig the hole they got out of. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for him to have four picks in his first four games is not usual Tom Brady, but uh, 11 touchdowns, I think that puts him third in the NFL like the only two times he's had more than 11 touchdowns in the first four games of a season are his two best years. I mean, it's 2007 when he throws for 50 touchdowns and 2011 where he leads the NFL in yards and, and has 39 touchdowns as well. So who knows where he'll be moving forward. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Gronk has not been the same player, at least that we expected or that we have seen before where he's the best tight end in the game going. Right. Yeah, Gronk, the, the Gronk, post-retirement Gronk has kind of been a quiet slower Gronk. Um, it's like the game two two weeks ago in Denver had six catches for 48 yards, which was kind of like a coming out party, uh, but then was kind of back to being quiet. I mean, um, had one nice like 29-yard catch Sunday against the Chargers, and that was about the extent of his contribution to the day. 
Update us on the uh, the injury situation, especially on offense, because I know there's some running backs banged up. Chris Godwin's been hurt. Uh, I watched a lot of that game on Sunday because <clears throat> the Bucks were playing at noon and the and the Bears played later, and it certainly looked like to me that Mike Evans was playing through something. So, right. so where are the Bucks right now from an injury standpoint? Yeah, they're wildly injured on offense, and some of it's just that it's a short week. I think a lot of these guys will wind up playing on Thursday, uh, but their top four receivers were all on the injury report yesterday. Their top two tight ends one of which is going on IR, and two of their top three running backs. So lots. Um, to run through them all, Mike Evans, as you mentioned, like tweaked his ankle on a deep ball Sunday, came out of the game, went to the locker room, got wrapped up, and came back and played very well. Um, had a touchdown right before halftime that kind of sparked the, the initial comeback. Had a nice long catch. I think he finished with seven for 112 on the day or seven for 122 maybe. Uh, so he, he's likely to play. He's pushing through the same injury that he already pushed through Sunday. Chris Godwin is unlikely to play. He missed Sunday with a hamstring, hasn't practiced yet. Uh, I'm waiting to go out to practice here within the hour, so we'll know more then. But Arians was very guarded about Godwin playing. Uh, their number three, Scotty Miller, is, it played through a hip injury Sunday. Their number four, Justin Watson, is dealing with an injury as well. So there's question marks all over there. O.J. Howard... Arian said ruptured his Achilles on Sunday, so he's likely done for the year. Uh, I think Gronkowski being on the, on the injured list is just kind of Gronk being 31 and Gronk. So I think he'll be fine. I think he'll play. And then at running back, they might not have three healthy running backs right now. So you have a short week with only two healthy running backs. So they've got to, like, fly in somebody who they cut in training camp just to have someone who knows the system. You know, nowadays you can't sign a guy and bring him in the next day. It takes three days of COVID testing. So Ronald Jones is fine. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, who's their rookie, who had the, the go-ahead touchdown late, is fine. But Leonard Fournette hasn't played in a week, hasn't practiced in a week. LaShawn McCoy is dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, Kenyon Barner, who would be the, the third back, is in concussion protocol. So offensively, they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Is there any matchup in this game that, that intrigues you? There's a lot. Um, I mean, Allen Robinson's one of the better receivers they're going to face. So, I mean, you, you look at what they did Sunday. They kind of kept Keenan Allen in check pretty well, but then they let these two random guys who had no catches have 72-yard touchdown, 53-yard touchdown against them. So the defense is a little suspect right now. Um, you know, Carlton Davis is their best corner. He'll probably be on Allen Robinson. I would think that's his kind of shutdown duty for the day. Uh, so, yeah, right now I'm intrigued. I mean, tight ends, they've done pretty well against tight ends this year. They've only given up one touchdown, but Jimmy Graham has three scores, so I, I don't discount that. I think it helps that Tariq Cohen is not playing in this game. Um, the, the Bucks have faced a bunch of pass-catching backs already. They've faced McCaffrey. They've faced Alvin Kamara. Um, they barely faced Austin Eckler on Sunday and that he got hurt early. But I think not having that versatile pass-catching back that – I mean, Tariq Cohen had a great game against them in 18. I think he had two touchdowns. Uh, caught a lot of passes. So I think that helps. They, they've managed to catch a lot of teams dinged up at key positions, and the Bears aren't nearly as injured as the Broncos were or the Chargers were when they faced this team. But, uh, no, I mean, and also Khalil Mack, honestly. Um, the Bucks' offensive line were, were kind of lobbing praise at them this week because they didn't give up any sacks um, against the Chargers. Uh, but Mack, I mean, you go back to that 18 game, I think he had a, a sack, a forced fumble, maybe even an interception, I think. Um, he had a big game. That was only like his fourth game in Chicago, but looked the part that day for sure. Greg, uh, before we ask you for a prediction here, uh, since you're in Tampa, I want to ask you about the Super Bowl and just where oh, yeah. things stand because that's where the Super Bowl is supposed to be. What are the expectations right now for what that might look like? Yeah, I mean, everybody's moving forward uh, very confident this game will be played and right now played on February 7th as scheduled. Um, you know, there were concerns kind of going back to like training camp preseason because Tampa had uh, definitely higher levels of positive tests and, and, and cases here. Florida was kind of a hot spot. Tampa, not as bad as Miami, but there were questions that if that persisted, would they look at moving the game somewhere else that was just safer? Um, and I think that's dissipated a bit. I really haven't heard much of that talk. I was downtown Saturday night and there's still I mean, the the hotel that'll be one of the two main NFL hotels in February is not open yet. It's still like finishing construction right now. So there's very much a, a rush to get things done and have everything ready, but they're very excited about it here. Um, the governor of Florida is, is very much a, Hey, let's open it up. Let's, you know, let as many fans in as possible kind of thing. He'd have 70,000 people there. I think if he had his druthers. Um, so what we don't know is what, 
what that crowd will be like. Um, the Bucks had like 6,000 at their game on Sunday. Their plan is to ramp up to about 16,000 for the next home game, which is next week against Green Bay, and then stay at, at 16,000, which is basically 25% capacity. Um, they've put like $10 million into retrofitting the stadium to add, you know, touchless sanitizer stations and, and all the things that help reduce the, uh, the chance of spread, if you will. There's no tailgating at all allowed. Um, so again, th- that's what gets you by with Bucks regular season games. But obviously the Super Bowl is such a huge spectacle. It, it, I think the image of the league is going to be conveyed through how much of a crowd that is. So is that, is that 50% capacity and everybody's signing some kind of waiver? I, I don't know where we're going to be as a nation in, in three months, but uh, I'm curious to see. I think it, it all certainly seems like something that will happen here in Tampa. I'm just curious to see whether it's a, a shell of a crowd like what we've known with games so far or whether they try and ramp things up and, and have a larger audience. So what are we thinking this week, this Thursday night? Who's your pick? I feel like right now they didn't play well uh, against the Chargers and still won and still put 38 points up. Um, so I think they're going to play better defensively. Um, I feel like the Bears are three and one, but it's such a wobbly three and one to see how close they've come to really losing all three games they won. Um, to see the, the the way that teams came back against them with the Giants, to see the way they had to come back. Um, you know, you're down 16 in one game in the fourth quarter, 17 in another. So I, I tend to think this is a game the Bucks can win. Um, even though it's on the road, you know, spectacle of a Thursday night game, that's not going to phase a Tom Brady at all. I don't know what it's going to do for the defense. So right now, uh, it feels like a Bucks win. I'm going to say like 35-28, 35-31, something like that. Fairly high scoring. I, I saw the Bucks defense give up a lot of plays to, to Justin Herbert. So I, I'm curious to see what Foles and Robinson and, and some of these other uh, more legitimate offensive weapons, I think, can do. Greg, good stuff. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Guys, take care. See you soon. Greg. All right, there he is, Greg Allman. Follow him on Twitter, at Greg Allman. That's A-U-M-A-N. And uh, get your Bucks coverage for the week, which, of course, you can all find on The Athletic and The Athletic app as well. Uh, Some interesting stuff, Johns. Could you imagine if the Bears scored 31 points and lost? Um. I'll be shocked if they score 31 points. Yeah. 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 No, I can see Tom Brady dropping 35. I really can. Because I don't think the offense is going to give the Bears defense much help in this one. But, whew. Yeah. I I mean, it is interesting that they gave up those deep touchdowns. I mean, that's Nick Foles does have the deep ball in his pocket. The Colts took that away. I think the Bucks would be wise to also try to take that away uh, and sit back more, you know, with those safeties deep keep everything in front of them, and it seems like the Bears' offense is going to struggle that way. But, yeah, 31 points, that's, uh, I don't know about that happening. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Johns. It's time for our three big questions this week. And because it's a Tuesday, and the only Tuesday we'll be doing the three big questions all season, I think that's accurate, we decide to do something crazy and leave the questions up to Kevin Fishbane. What's up, Kevin? What's up, guys? I, this, I mean, when I think about my career and I think about, um, uh, you know, honors, things I've accomplished in my, you know, it's my 11th season covering the NFL. Um, th- this is up there. It really is. Should I, should I go right in? Oh, it should be. Go, it should be. Go right in. I'm not going to get you a medal or anything, but this is a worthy honor. And the pressure is on, Kevin, for you to deliver three important and insightful questions for us to answer. Well, it's a big game Thursday. So uh, my first question, will the Bears have a run that goes longer than six yards? No. Yes. It's going to be some wild scramble, though, by like Nick Foles. Does, does that count? 
You think you got, Nick Foles is going to run for six yeah, yards? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's going to be wild. Yeah, it's going to be wild. you got a lot more confidence in, in Nick Foles' legs than I do. I do. All right. I do. Not a lot, but that would be the play. I don't have a lot of confidence in this running game against the, the Bucks' running defense. So if there's going to be a, a run over six yards, I'm going with quarterback <laughs> and some breakdowns and some scramble. How's everyone doing? This is Nick Foles. Just entered the meeting. Yeah, I'm going to say that Nick Foles is not running for six yards. Uh, David Montgomery will, though. I don't think he has many runs of six yards. But David Montgomery, despite the run, you know, he was at, he's actually been one of my highest graded players this season. He's looks good when he actually has the chance to do things with the football in his hands. So I think he'll, he'll eke out a couple runs, but it's going to be a struggle. I'm with you. He he's really been one of the more impressive guys, especially on offense this season. I mean, he's he's had to get some tough yards, um, and that kind of segues into question two, um, which is run and pass oriented. But three days is that enough for the offensive line to to figure things out? Because that was far and away their worst game. And you got a as John's just mentioned, a really good Bucks front. Uh, so I just wonder. I mean, that I, I think I think the game is going to lie on the offensive line uh, because they just didn't they didn't get the job done uh, on Sunday. I'm going to say no. What's Matt Nagy's new word? Calibrating that that needs like an overhaul. Like you need an overhauling. I'm starting to to think again of the offensive line, especially maybe it, it tackles. Um, it's going to be tough sledding. That's why I don't think David Montgomery is going to have a big day. Uh, maybe you know he gets out there and does some things as a pass catcher, but you know the, the Bears—they just looked overmatched, like it, like across the board. That offensive line against the Colts, uh, the the Buccaneers—they're they're not as good as the Colts, but you know they're it's still going to be tough sledding. So I'm going to say no to your question. Yeah, I. Uh... I think in 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 many ways this is sort of a prove it game where you made all these changes in different areas on the offense. One of them was with Juan Castillo, and you just plugged in Jermaine Effetti, and you said, "All right, the offensive line it's fixed," uh, and it looked a much better in the first three weeks. Did not look good against the Colts. I'm gonna hedge here a little bit. I think in some ways they're gonna be doomed for games like that uh, against good teams because I don't think there's necessarily elite players across the line but two guys who I do think can bounce back even with tough matchups and that's Cody Whitehair and James Daniels I still think those guys are pretty good um James Daniels looked real good I thought the first three weeks like he had gotten stronger and he was playing better and so those two guys, I think, can take it personally and be like, you know what, I'm just going to play better because I'm I'm a good football player in the NFL. I think some of the other weaknesses across the line, though, they got to give Charles Leno more help on the outside. That's just a thing that has to happen, especially. And I think this, I'm glad you brought this up because this is on my notes to talk about. There is a difference between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. There's many differences, but one of them is that when an offensive line, when a tackle gets beat, not necessarily totally beat, but just a little bit, Trubisky can run away. Nick Foles can't. So the pressure on Charles Leno and Bobby Massey with Nick Foles there increases. So that, to me, comes with some schematic changes that you're going to have to bring those guys help at certain times, especially in obvious passing situations. Yeah, I remember back uh, when they made the trade for Foles, you know, we're, we're all talking to people around the league to learn about Nick Foles. And, and one thing someone said to me was, you better have a good offensive line in Chicago. Like if, if, if Nick Foles is going to be your guy, you got to have pass protection. They didn't have it against Indy. I'm glad you mentioned Whitehair and Daniels, though, because I'm with you. When I watched that Cordero Patterson third and one stop, that was unlike those two to get pushed three yards back at a play that Nagy essentially told us that is a play where we say, hey, we trust you guys to win this. And those two were the ones that got pushed back. But you're right. Those are two. We know those guys. We know Cody Whitehair is a good player. Daniels has been good, had been good the first three weeks. So you, you, you hope that that was a blip. But it's, it's, it's three. You don't have a whole lot of time. Maybe short memory, though. That helps. You know, I had a good offensive line. The 2017 Eagles. Mm, yeah, they did. Yeah, they had a real good line. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, guess the Bears aren't winning. The Super, guess the Bears aren't winning the Super Bowl for, uh, in Johnsy's book. 
Do you guys talk about Johnsy's book? Literal uh, book? No, I'm actually uh, uh, boycotting the book until Ooh. I, uh, you know, everyone seems to have media copies. Don't have ah, a copy in my house. Okay. Ernie, okay. our guy Ernie, who voices our opens, he's got a me. He's texting photos of his awesome <laughs> book. Adam Hogue doesn't have a book. I, so. will, I will tell you, Kevin Fishman, also no book. You know, other than maybe John's wife, I would say that no two other people sacrifice more for this book than the two of us, and we don't have a damn book. And I could tell you, I probably passed John's wife in terms of amount of text sent while he was writing the book. I believe that, that's, that's probably true, Kevin. That, well, I, that, that I'll, I'll send against, you a link, guys, for the book. That might go against my uh, <laughs> me getting the media copy because I was probably taking time away from him writing the book. So I just want to make it clear that I am refusing to promote this book, which, by the way, you can order now. <laughs> and uh, you probably should order it. But uh, I'm not ordering it. Screw that. The Bears 50. A lot of stuff on quarterbacks on there. I thought it was. Check a- it out. We'll talk about it later in a podcast next week. But uh, I thought it was supposed to be this, about the. Consider this maybe the first promotion of this book on this podcast. Pr- promotion in, in, in quotes there. But. A lot of stuff about quarterbacks. Thought it was supposed to be about the good things about the Bears. I was going to say the Big 50. Where, where hey, does a quarterback hey, break the Big 50? Hey, oh, you got to have a Jay Cutler chapter, yeah. right? Sid Luckman? No, Punky QB. By the way, no. I have a take that uh, Jim McMahon is Gardner Minshew, <laughs> or maybe Gardner Minshew is Jim McMahon. Does he wear there, shoes there, when he goes? I think there's some good comps there. First of all, they're both like kind of kind of crazy. There's a, there's like sort of a, a cult following that comes with them. They're not necessarily outstanding quarterbacks. But their teammates rally behind them and get the job done. I think this is a good comp. Tell me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. Okay. <laughs> Fine. We got another big question or no? Did we, yeah. How many have we done? We've done two. There's supposed okay. to be three, right? By yeah, the way, it's supposed yes. to be three. So Sid Luckman signed ball behind me. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, my uh, got passed down through the generations. Um, okay. Uh, third question. Tom Brady. Who does he attack? Because you know the way Tom Brady operates. He's going to find your weakness on defense, and he's going to go after it. So is he going to go after Jalen Johnson, the rookie? Uh, does he look at the Bears linebackers and say, the any time Danny Trevathan's in the field, we're going after you? Um, does he go after Kyle Fuller, who had a call P.I.'s last week after a pretty good start to his season? I think we know he's going to avoid Eddie Jackson. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm curious that, you know, you can learn a lot about what uh, the league might think of the Bears defense by what Brady does. So how is he going to attack the Bears? Who's he going to pick on? Oh, I, I expect a couple shots at Jalen Johnson just because he's a rookie. Uh, I think Matt Ryan tried. I think Phillip Rivers tried. And they're, they're like, it hasn't been perfect. Like, Jalen Johnson has been again, a good player. Uh, I think he's going to be maybe a star uh, here maybe in the near future, uh, maybe next season. But there, there's a lot of promise there. But you got to test the rookie. But to me, if I'm Tom Brady, I'm looking at you, number 59, and you, number 58. And I'm coming after you with my running backs and my tight ends over that middle um, because there are a lot of yards that can be gained <laughs> over the middle of the Bears' defense, especially if they're in their base defense. So speaking of reading books... I read I read a book called The Quarterback Whisperer this off season. Is it written by Tyler Bray? <laughs> Is it written by Mark Tressman? <laughs> the mystery man on the sidelines, Tyler Bray. Holy moly! I mean, it is Tuesday, guys, and Bears Twitter still freaking out about this Tyler Bray thing. Give it a rest. My God, I don't think it's that big of a deal. <laughs> he took away a roster spot, which he didn't, but. Can't they just reward a player for a little bump in a paycheck for a week? And I don't know, Nick Foles. And one of the things I noticed in camp, Nick Foles and Tyler Bray get along. They seem to be pretty close. Nah, I get it. I don't know. Nine-year veteran, Super Bowl winner, and Tyler Bray's like his his buddy. I 
I get some of the angst. I'll say that. In a normal, what is this? The in Bears a, are, no, sorry, in a normal year, a practice squad player can be on the sidelines though, and they can't this year. No. Yeah. So, I I think it's I think it's that simple. Sounds like the Bears are giving out handouts to undeserving players. Anyway, what was, the, what was your question uh, again? <laughs> something about the quarterback whisper. Uh, one thing I was going to say is the the interesting thing about the pairing with Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is the one who wrote that book, by the way, the quarterback whisper, uh, and Tom Brady is that Bruce is more of a I want to take shots down the field type of guy, where Brady is more I'm going to get the ball in the hands of whoever's open. So. I don't know if there's necessarily going to be shots on this Bears defense this week. I do know that if I'm Tom Brady and I'm watching the film, I'm trying to get mismatches against the linebackers, specifically 59. And like there was one play on Sunday where they managed to get the running back out of the backfield, matched up man-to-man in a short yardage situation against Danny Trevathan, and it was like I could have thrown the football. It, it was... It was it was quick too. Yeah, yeah, it was that easy. That that type of stuff can't happen. Um, and Chuck Pagano's got to be better too. Like there's situations like that. There's been too many of them early on in the season. So anyway, uh, that's who I think Tom Brady's going to pick on. You can read more about that play at uh, the today's All Twenty Two breakdown over at the Athletic this afternoon. It was a pretty well designed play. That it was, it was. You know what it was? It was one of those plays that you watch it and you think. How come the Bears don't run a play like yes, this? Right? Yes. Right? That's like a total, like you could totally see the Bears having Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham moving to their right and opening up the left flat for David Montgomery. We're going to do a bonus question, okay, for Twitter. I uh, put this out there. I said uh, no Tyler Bray questions allowed, though. Here's our bonus question. Can somebody say they know Eminem's music and then confuse it for Lauren Hill? Johns, Ooh. I'm getting killed for this. <laughs> And and I'm going to tell you what. Once I catch up on some work and things, I I look as obviously the Lauren Hill song. Everything is everything. This for those that missed it. If you didn't hear po- Sunday's post game podcast, the beat on our open that Ernie did was Lauren Hill. I'm telling you though, there's an Eminem song that sounds very. Similar. You're gonna go dive deep into you know. You're gonna go on YouTube. You're gonna pull out the old CDs. Right. You're gonna find that beat, aren't you? I'm gonna try to. I'm look. I'm rightfully getting killed for it, but someone also out there has to know what I'm talking about. Maybe you could tweet that at me. Other than the 25 shots I've taken on Twitter, which I deserve. Uh, no, that's not actually our bonus question though. But uh, at Z underscore Monday, I like this question. Did we underestimate Tariq Cohen's impact on the opposing defense's game plan? Um, I, I think one week against a top five defense is, it's not enough, I think, to answer that question. Because you, you look at Tariq Cohen's production last year, and you know, there's tons of question marks about what his value is completely in this pair's offense. So, yeah, give me a couple weeks to, uh, to figure that out. But like, he, he definitely does have a role. He definitely brings a lot to the table. Uh, Matt Nagy loves the guy, but too early to say that. Here's the thing. If you're a defensive coordinator, so this week it's what? Todd Bowles, right? Uh, so if you're a defensive coordinator, it's Allen Robinson. It's stop the run. Then what? Darnell Mooney. You're, yeah, and, and there were a couple of plays you can see how secondaries are adjusting for Darnell Mooney. But I'm not sure if defenses are really that nervous yet about Jimmy Graham. You know, the Bears aren't giving them an opportunity to be nervous about Cole Komet or Anthony Miller hasn't been consistent enough. Tariq Cohen was somebody you did have to account for. Every time he was in the field, I think defenses had to account for him. So I think, John Z, you're right. Let's see how this goes moving forward. But you, they, did not, they did not replace Tariq Cohen in terms of giving a defense someone that they really have to plan for. Yeah, I think you just look at the track record. I, I feel like I mentioned this almost every week, but the playoff game when the Eagles took Tariq Cohen out of the game because there wasn't a tight end to worry about that trickled into last season. And then last week, you didn't have Cohen on the field. I, it it may not be obvious, but the guy has an impact. It, it might not always show up in the numbers, but the defenses are worried about him when he's on the field. He can line up all over. And 
I don't think we underestimated it because I believe we talked about it here on this podcast. But I do think it's a great question and something to bring up um, now that they don't have him because they don't have him for the rest of the season. So you got to get somebody out there that, at least in some situations, can uh, help. I, I'll, I'll tell you, they missed him as a punt returner. I, I liked our, our guy Dan Durkin's tweet in the middle of the game. Please rate Ted, Ginn's, Ted Ginn Jr.'s interest in returning punts today. Because that's what it looked like. It looked like he had no interest in doing it. I thought for sure we'd see a little bit more of um, Anthony Miller or Darnell Mooney back there. Because I know we've seen them practice there, going back to training camp. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr., when's the last time he returned punts like consistently? Like a few years ago, right? It's been a while. I mean, he, it's been a while. he was looked like a while. He was obviously a great returner. But it's been a while. Yeah. It, it, you guys remember uh, the playoff game where they put Tariq Cohen on the, that final kickoff return? Yeah. Is there a scenario, if it's like a fourth quarter and it's obviously punting, that you put Eddie Jackson back there? I've been calling for it. Do it. I mean, he is the best punt returner outside Tariq Cohen. He's got to be. I just, don't, I mean, you, you can't make him your full time guy, but I just wonder if he's somebody that you, if the situation. Or, Arisen, arose, arised. The situation ar- came up. If the yeah. situation came, about. came up. Yeah. Arose. In, in that situation, um, I wonder. Hey, speaking of uh, acting like you don't care, um, do you remember the when it looked like the Colts might go for it on fourth and short? And they river, it was like the Wildcat and Rivers started. I don't know if in Rivers started walking to the sideline. Yes. And he just kept walking. He didn't like, he didn't like feign any interest in trying to act like a wide receiver and make it look mm-hmm. like they were running wild cat. He just continued walking out the field. It reminded me in 2015, the bears ran a couple wildcat plays with Jay and Jay would go over to wide receiver. And it was the, it was the don't care meme. It was yeah. Jay just, yeah. standing. just a statue. So the question is what is more effective Jay standing there and not caring at all or Philip rivers just walking off the field. I almost wondered, because this is how my brain always thinks, I was still expecting them to snap the ball until he was kind of walking diagonally towards the line of scrimmage, yeah, which yeah, would have been an illegal almost formation. Almost offsides, yeah. But if I, I almost wonder if that's if they're going to end up running that again at some point and actually snap the ball. Because if he's just walking in a straight line towards the sideline, that's just a guy going in motion. And... They can snap the ball and catch a team off guard. So I, I just, I don't know how much a coach is going to pay attention to that on tape, but it, it could catch a team off guard now. My intramural flag football team had a play like that. Did it work? Uh, I don't think so. We were pretty good though, but I don't think that play worked. All right, I think we actually got we got penalized for it. Well, flag football refs, right? All right, we got to make our picks. We'll do that. Bold predictions first. Well, yeah, we got bold predictions and we got picks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Roan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, and works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Roan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. 
Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right, guys. It is that time. Bold predictions. I got one this week. Going back to the well. I think the Bears get Tom Brady's third pick six of the season. Ooh. Got a name? Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson. Jalen Johnson. Wow. He's been close. He's had some opportunities to get an interception, and uh, I think I think he gets a pick six. Okay, okay. I feel like it's natural to equate bold predictions with like good things, but I'm going to give you uh, a, maybe a bad bold prediction. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the phrasing here now is curious, but I, I think Mitch Trubisky takes the field at some point in this game. Not because Matt Nagy wants to, but because Nick Foles gets knocked around, but he returns. So this is a very detailed bold prediction. <laughs> But Nick Foles, being that statue that we just talked about against a pretty good Buccaneers defense with two struggling offensive tackles, gets shaken up a little bit. Comes off the field for a couple plays. Mr. Biscay goes in. But that's what we're going to see play out Thursday night. That's my bold prediction. I'll tell you what. Mitch plays. That shot Foles took to his knee was scary. Yeah. On Sunday. Yeah. That was not. That was pretty damn close to out for the year hit. Even the broken play... Where he went for the draw to David Montgomery, he took a tough hit there. His head snapped off the field, pretty hard. So, just a reminder: one play away, Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky. Sorry, he said his head snapped off for a second. Jesus, Kevin, um, this is my first time bold predictions, so um, forgive me if this isn't bold enough for you. But I think it's bold. I think Robert Quinn is going to get a sack. Wow. The gentleman has gone 88 snaps since his first snap as a bear without one. The Buccaneers, fourth best team in the league in terms of uh, fewest sacks per pass attempt. Uh, only Brent Urban sacked Phillip Rivers last week. I think Robert Quinn is going to actually sack Tom Brady. He's had, what, two, two tackles since his debut strip sack. Against yeah. the Giants, he was shut out in Atlanta. See, th- this is bold. I, I did I did this correctly. This is bold. I think he's going to sack uh, Tom Brady. Might be bold, but right now it's a problem. You got a <laughs> lot of money on the field, not getting sacks. Like that, everything's it's all a problem. Really a needs problem. to change between Khalil Mack and and uh, Robert Quinn, and Mack dropping interceptions, things like that. Got to change. Uh, one thing I will say. This isn't a new thing with Tom Brady. It goes back to at least last year. The dude does not want to get hit anymore. Like when you see the the best way to get Tom Brady, he's hard to sack right now because he doesn't want to get hit. So if you get near him, he's going to unload the football. Maybe that's why those pick sixes are coming. I mean, why that plays into it. So I think it's going to be hard to sack him, but you need to take advantage of that. Like I don't want to see Kyle Fuller and Buster Screen playing twenty yards off their wide receivers because that those are just going to be easy completions. Um, just something to keep in mind as that, as that game plays out. All right, the bold predictions are in. Predictions. 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 I can go first. Thirty. Twenty nine. Let's say twenty nine to like nineteen. Twenty nine to like eighteen. Just just. A different score again because you'll have field goals, maybe a miss extra point, just just something wacky. So I'm going to say 29-18 Buccaneers. Uh, they're going to cover that five and a half. Uh, they are <laughs> road road favorites. Uh, I just don't have a lot of faith in what the offense with Nick Foles can do in this one. Johns is off the train. He's out there picking the Bears to beat the Colts. The goat is coming to town. Well, he ain't the goat anymore. Still pretty damn good. 
Kevin? Yeah, I got the Bucks 26, the Bears 13. Doubling them up. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's going to be a ton of points in this game, but I also agree that the uh, Buccaneers win. However, I'm going to say the Bears cover. Maybe it's a backdoor cover. Maybe it's another uh, situation where they got to come back. Well, I could definitely see the backdoor cover. Late touchdown catch to Allen Robinson in the final minute again to cut it to five. I mean, let, let's just point out, they, they, the last three weeks they played the Panthers, the Broncos, and the Chargers. It's not like it's not like their wins have... I know the Bears' wins haven't come against great opponents either, but it, it's not like the Bucks have been outstanding. Um, I think there are... It, the Bears' offense is going to be better. I, I just have to imagine they're going to at least be a little bit better, more commitment to the running game. And uh, the key has to be to get out to a lead. Like, this team just can't be playing from behind. Now, I'm skeptical that that's going to happen. Ultimately, I'll say another low-scoring game. Buccaneers, 20. Bears, 17. You guys are a bunch of haters. I'm the only one who has them covering. I will say, when I say the Bears score 13 points, that's a drastic improvement from last week when they scored three points in 55 minutes. I got them having three separate scoring drives, which is tripling the amount they had before garbage time. Yeah, I have to check my math. I got them getting to 18. Hmm. (laughs) I just... I don't five and a half seems too much to me in this game. Be, mainly, be, I get why it's there, but I just think this game is there's going to be a little bit of a correction made by the Bears. A little bit of an old. This was at three before the games were played Sunday, and so you see it move two and a half points because of what happened Sunday. But like I said, I just can't. I don't think the Bears' offense is going to be that bad again. And short week, two good defenses. So you got two good defenses on the field. A five and a half point difference. I just think it's going to be it's going to be a little bit more even than that. What but was I do your, think the Bucks win. What was your old college pick philosophy? Home dog, primetime game. Yeah, uh, that was for college, and <laughs> that was also before pandemic hit the world. Okay, that's the thing. You know, there's no home field advantage. Like Philip Rivers admitted, they had like more energy on their sideline. I don't know if the Bucks. I mean, if the Bucks take the lead, the same thing's going to happen for them. But you know what? Nagy already said that a week ago. Right. And so you got to show up and and have a plan to get over that. Like, you know that's a reality going into the game. And so maybe the approach needs to be the same as when you go on the road. Like, you want to steal that home field advantage away from the team when you're on the road. You want to be the team that comes out with more energy. Well, now you got to apply that at home. You can't just rely on your crowd. It's not there. So that just can't that to me that was like maybe the most disappointing thing that happened Sunday was just how flat the Bears came out. It it, it was it was just weird and inexcusable and it never picked up. I didn't think the whole game. And it starts with your head coach and it starts with your quarterback and then your chief playmakers on defense. Khalil Mack needs to make that pick six. Nick Foles needs to bring a little bit more juice to this offense. All those things that the Bears coaches said he would bring. Didn't show up in his first start. Hashtag juice. 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 You guys know Scotty Miller's from Barrington? Bucks wide receiver? Oh, uh, he's uh he's uh he's Tom Brady's new like prototypical white little wide receiver, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> he's always got one. hmm That's Scotty Miller. Where do you play high where do you play high school ball? Uh good question. I will effort him. I, I I remember him being like a fantasy football, uh, yeah, Barrington High School sleeper, alma mater of Robert Mays. Hmm. We should have him on to do a Scotty Miller breakdown. Yeah, how many catches does Scotty Miller have this week? You know that uh, new tight end that Aaron Rodgers threw uh, three touchdowns to last year. Now that new isn't exactly yeah Robert Tanyan. He's pretty yeah. good. You know where he's from? I do. Where? But- McHenry. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. I didn't know that either. How come none of these players end up on local college teams here? uh, Because the local colleges stink. Other than the Northwestern's fine. 
Uh, Big Bob Tanyan went to Indiana State where he played quarterback. And uh, Scotty Miller went to Bowling Green. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm wondering 10 years from now, if Ryan Pace is still a general manager of the Bears, what kind of contract is he going to give Big Bob Tanyan? <laughs> is that his nickname, Big Bob Tanyan? Yeah, they call him Big Bob. I like it. He he. I'll tell you what, Big Bob Tanya fits in great in Green Bay. <laughs> yes, oh yeah, doesn't he just look like a Packer? He's uh, just like a perfect Packer for somebody who has spent four years out of his life up there. That nickname really makes me chuckle. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Yeah, we should end the podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're out of here. Hope you. We're uh, rest of the games is too early in the week to pick them, so we'll push them. We'll get to them at some point. Um, Bears, Buccaneers were the priority. We had a lot to sneak into this podcast today. So you got your Bears and Bucks preview. Of course, we'll be back Thursday with the postgame show from Soldier Field. And, uh, well, the Bears can either prove that last week was a fluke, get a big win over Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, and the Buccaneers be 4-1. and one. Things would look pretty good. If it looks too much like Sunday and they're 3-2, and two, everyone's going to be saying, eh, told you so, and that's certainly a possibility too. So I feel like it's a big prove-it week for the Bears as then they'll get 10 days in between games. They go to Carolina. Those Panthers have been actually kind of frisky so far under Matt Rule. So big game Thursday night. We'll be there for it. We'll have all the coverage. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at Kay Fishbane. You should be following all of us. Read those two guys over on The Athletic. Get all their coverage, including the All-22. John's takeaways. Give uh, give Cole Komet the football. It, just, it would make John's feel better. So it would. Give Cole Komet the football. And uh, check out his book, too, which I will not do. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thanks, friend. Yeah. Uh, I, again, yeah, go, get, go get the book. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's fine. I guy put a lot of work into it. Go get his book. We're out of here. Kevin, thanks for jumping on. Nice questions. We enjoyed them. Talk to you Thursday. See ya.